Are you experienced? Have you ever been experienced? With another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 460, aka Year 9, Week 36, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Richie Rich, along with... MC and... Hey, yes. And since this is your regularly scheduled Saturday broadcast, we are live on the old clubhouse. Uh, the club is the Anarchist Experience. You can find the club there. Or you can at me, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. And when I go live, uh, I will click the little button to invite you and notify you and so on and so forth. And then you can, you know, finally fucking participate. Um, but aside from that, what is going on with you guys this week? Um, I'm just waiting for Texas to do its thing. Oh, yeah. Tell me more. <laughs> Tell me I more. I don't know much more about it. I haven't really followed it that much, but that's that's uh, in my hopes and dreams. Don't steal them from me, Texas. Uh, I, let let me ask then, because you know we talked a little bit about something similar pre-show, and you know my hopes and dreams might be a little different from yours. So <laughs> here's okay. So here's let's you know before we bury the lead here, uh, what is going on in Texas is basically a border dispute between Texas and the United States over who gets to control the Texas border uh, and, you know, therefore who gets to control the flow of migrants into Texas. And it is heated, heated, where there are some people looking at it going like, if one side doesn't back down, this is absolutely going to set off, you know, Civil War Two, the Electric Boogaloo. Uh, my my guess is nothing is going to happen. Okay, um, but you never know. Um, I don't know why. If if it's that big a deal, why don't they just go in through New Mexico or Arizona? The migrants. Yeah. Why is it their fucking problem? Well, <laughs> they just cross if, wherever they can get across, man. Yeah. Well, if <laughs> like there's razor, not... if there's razor wire up, and and, and Texas is you know going to die on that hill. Um, yeah. Why why doesn't the US just go, "Oh well, we'll just uh, you know, give them a little bit extra money to get them down to the next state that that actually wants them to come in." Does New Mexico and Arizona want them to come in? Well, New Mexico is uh ha has a leftist governor. Um, okay. So they so they're more amenable to it. They wouldn't ha I mean, the people there might have a problem with it, but the the government okay. of New Mexico would just be like, "Oh yeah, come in." All right. Maybe. Well, I mean, so now <laughs> the odd the odd thing with that is like in that suggestion, it's like, okay, we're going to fund you to like walk another, you know, few hundred miles to the left. Well, supposedly they're funding them anyway. So. Okay. All right. And, and whatever states are funding them on the other side. Do we know that to be true or is that just... I, I don't know. I'm, spec I'm speculating. Talking points. Yeah, I'm speculating. Okay. 
I, I really would like to interview every every person that's coming over and be like, hey, why are you coming here? How'd you get the money? Um, you know, do you, how do you feel about uh, the left versus right divide in, in the U.S.? Is that something you're excited to get in, part, in, in touch with? You know, <laughs> it's like <laughs> the, the, when they get there, the short answer is probably not. Right? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> do you really think that that's what's going through their mind? Like, we're leaving Honduras because, you know, the left-right political divide in the United States is so much more convenient. What what I have found through traveling is that there is this uh, left-right divide even amongst the the poor in the poor countries. Okay. Um, Now, they might not realize it, but they kind of echo it. And so it's the strangest thing when you hear poor people say that they're worried about climate change. It's like... No, you've got you've got way bigger problems than climate change, man. Yeah, like you, you first world your people issues. are your people are eating the zoo animals. Um, climate change didn't cause that, <laughs> you know. It's like, come on, <laughs> right? So, so that 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 uh, you know, the woke ideology has infected everything, and uh, you know, may, it, it's just I don't know. Uh, it's like they they have opinions on it and. Anyway, and so when so when they come here, and it's not. Let, let me put this. I got, I have to clarify this. Okay. I hate. I, I dislike uh, leftists and and that are immigrating here just as much as I like left leftists that are already here. So, you just don't like leftists. <laughs> exactly. Okay. And so, um, of course, people immigrating are from all types of backgrounds and all different ideologies and religions and everything. Right, so um, maybe there's a way to screen them out. No, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, I I don't really care if they come. Well, I mean, um, the the I, way to screen them out is to like make them work when they get here, and not like forced labor. But well, yeah, just you, you know, you stop the handouts, kind of, and then it doesn't matter if you're left or right. You have to be a productive member of society. Yeah, and and allow them to work. That's and that's yeah. kind of why I want to check them at at the gate is to give them an ID. And then, you know, because that's what everybody else has to deal with inside the U.S. Now, if everybody just, like, screw it, no government IDs, you know, pri- private IDs, and then yeah. people could just come over and get their ID from a, a private institution, uh, that would be even better. Uh, but it doesn't seem like people care about it that much. So so I yeah. would say give everybody an ID, give them their... their, their uh, uh, slave number, their tax ID, and uh, you know, let them work. Yeah, as a short-term solution to you know the immigration problem, which wouldn't be a problem if the government wasn't there. Well, if you know, then they'll just shout they're stealing our jobs because they already say that, right? They're well, stealing good. our if, jobs if, and our welfare if, simultaneously if at if the same time. Can, if your job can be stolen, it should, and and just like, and I say this too, if if the government can be uh, ruined by people coming over and voting, then it should. Like, <laughs> you know, go ahead, bring all the communists and socialists over, vote the U.S. into oblivion, and free people will find freedom somewhere else if that's what it takes. All right. I mean, I, I hear you. I just, you know. I'm just saying it's a voting, it's a, it's a democracy issue, and democracy's always been a problem. Yeah. No, I got you. I mean, that's, again, the, the people complaining about it, like, 
focus on the surface issue of immigration. Even yeah, the liber- yeah. even the libertarians all of a sudden. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, because it's it's really easy to get to be afraid, and that's yeah. It's like oh, how are we going to deal with these people? It's like well, you deal with them like anybody else. Like I didn't I didn't listen to the episode um, of Free Talk Live, but like I saw the show notes, and it was you know even even the hosts of that show at that time on that day. Right. I guess we're discussing immigration from the point of like, we can't have it as long as there's a welfare state. Mm-hmm. I go, well, that's dumb. Like, you know, <laughs> exactly. Number one, if that's your concern, like, fix the welfare state. <laughs> exactly. Right. And was, the, we- the welfare state is your problem. Don't take it out <clears throat> on the immigrants. Exactly. I, I was really upset when, when Elon Musk said, uh, there, there isn't enough housing, and and, and uh, there's a housing shortage, and so we can't deal with these immigrants because there's not enough housing. I'm like, so none of these immigrants know how to build a house? <laughs> That's what we're going to hire them to do. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah. Where are the workers? Oh, they're the workers. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really I – was, I was just kind of shocked that, that he would say something stupid like that. Like, oh, people – Forgot how to build houses, so we got to keep the immigrants out. <laughs> well, pretty soon houses are going to be like cars, right? Where they're so complex that you can't really do it on your own. Well, that's because of the restrictions of what can be called a house. I mean, yeah. if, they allowed, if, if they allowed trailers, for example, then or you know, there'd be trailers all over the place. But and they have allow the zoning so that they can place them someplace. Yeah, you, you guys, Hawaii's the only place that that's codes. a problem, as far as I know. Like we have trailer yeah, parks here, a, we have campgrounds here. I know plenty of people in trailers. Yeah, well, the trailer park is in the trailers are in the trailer park, and that's the regulation. That's the zoning. Now Hawaii doesn't have a zone for that, but there's plenty of places that don't. Also, yeah. Um, I mean, that's the problem in San Francisco is like, no, we can't change anything. We can't build high density uh, housing here, even though uh, it's it's desperately needed and uh, whatever. It's, you know, their, their problem. But there's plenty of room in the U.S. for houses is all I'm saying. There's, and it's, yeah. you know, all you need is the, the people and the will to do it. And well, the, and the government to get out of the way. Like, that's one yeah. thing. You know, it's been it's been five years. But what it was... Uh, I'm going to say eye-opening. That's a good word. I'm going to use that word. I'm going to say it was eye-opening to me when we first moved to New Hampshire in 2018. We did a cross-country road trip, uh, you know, while we waited for our stuff to also make the journey. Um, and in the Western <laughs> states, like when we were driving through California and Colorado and Utah and you know, a little sliver of Arizona or whatever. Like you get out on the freeway, and you're miles from everything, mm-hmm. and then there's hours a s- and hours and hours. What's that? You drive for hours and hours and hours in well, wide open spaces. Well, but in these open spaces, KS, there were like suburbs popping up, like the beginnings mm-hmm. of the suburbs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who would live out here? Like <laughs> it's like a fucking it's a it's a half an hour to like the nearest gas station. You know, let alone like how you can't even do grocery shopping. The roads aren't even connected yet, but the houses were going up. And there were, you know, I don't want to say dozens, but probably, you know, at least a dozen uh, in that in that one stretch of highway, right, where they're just, 
you know, this is where the new suburb is going to be. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Like right now, it's, it's like desert. It's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing around it. Um, but I guess, you know, the, the, the developers got the land cheap or however they did it, and that's where they're putting the suburbs. Uh, and, and to your point, right, there's plenty of land still around it. So unless, unless you, like, want to live in the city, you know, I don't, I don't even want high-density houses. I like long, wide barriers between myself and my neighbors, if at all possible. I don't want to share a wall. I'm fucking tired of sharing a wall. <laughs> I want space. Mm. And, and here in New Hampshire, there's plenty of places where there is space. You know, this is not, this is, you know, it's, it's a very, I'm going to say, rural state comparatively when you consider like, you know, Boston, New York, and Philadelphia are all surrounding it, basically. But you can you can still get land to to put up a single house, the most inefficient use of space you can think of, you know, rather than the high density, you know, four hundred square foot box stacked on top side by side with each other in the middle of the city so people can walk to work. Like I don't want that. I don't even like that as a suggestion. I'd rather have your little tiny home communities or your trailer parks or whatever. At least you well, get something of your own. There's another aspect of zoning. Because they require the businesses that employ people to be concentrated too, that means people have to go long distances from their homes. But if they didn't zone that, um, people could have businesses near to their homes, wherever their homes were. I mean, it yeah. could be a dispersal of business activity. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's a small issue of what you said, but I've always, I don't know why they don't zone the bars into the residential areas. Right? <laughs> if you want to cut, if you want to cut down on like drunk driving and road accidents and you know all that drunk in public, right? You put the bar in the neighborhood. You have a neighborhood bar that's like stumbling distance from your front door. <laughs> then it doesn't matter, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's, that seems like an obvious solution. Let people drink closer to home. Instead of putting the bar like a 30-minute Uber away from where they have to get to, and, you know, then you, then you fucking stake out the bar, and anyone who stumbles out doesn't get to the cab quick enough. They're like, bam, drunk in public. We got him. Arrest that man. That's what was in England considered the local pub, and it was a very popular, well-used community activity all over the place, you know, um, the local pub. And I, I really like the fact that you raised that. I never even thought about the fact that the big problem with um, drunk driving is that people have to drive. Yeah, <laughs> you got to get home. You yeah. got to get home, and if you're responsible, right, and you just are like, nope, I'm not going to be able to make it home, and you pull off and you sleep in the backseat of your car, like Did they'll come you? and they'll come and harass you for that too, and give you the same fucking charge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I I read a story. Um, I mean, it was you know it wasn't like an article or anything, but just you know a, a blurb of someone's experience. They're like, yeah, my, my friend was like sleeping in the back seat of the car. The cops came knocking on the window, asked him where the keys were. You know, they woke him up, asked him where the keys were, and when he pulled it out of his pocket, you know, he was now in control of the vehicle and got a DUI. <laughs> No, no, you're kidding. That, you know, that's that's how they do it. You mean if he had said, "I don't know where the keys are," then he'd be okay. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how that law works, but I've heard other anecdotes saying similar things, <laughs> right? Like if you're gonna sleep, if you're drunk and you're gonna sleep it off in your car, like mm. you have to put the keys in the glove compartment or throw it in the bushes or do something where like you're not in control of the keys, because if you're in control of the keys, they will say you're in control of the vehicle and give you a DUI, even though you're being responsible, right? By mm. not driving by acknowledging that you're too intoxicated or inebriated or whatever to, to operate the vehicle, you know, their goal is not safety at that point. Their goal is harassment and revenue generation and and life ruining, right? Because like you're responsible. You you got drunk. That's you know, that's your right as an adult or anybody, you know, that's your right as a child too, for all I care. Uh, that's your right as a human being. You know, you got drunk, you said like I don't want to hurt anybody and I don't want to hurt myself. I'm just going to sleep here. Right, you, and then they they harass you anyway. Just leave people alone, man. If a if he's out of the way, right, and not impeding track, like if you if you pull over in like the middle of the road, like this is where I'm going to sleep, then maybe we have a problem. But I don't care if you're in like you know the if you're in a parking spot or in the shoulder lane, wherever you decided that this was as far as you could safely get to. You know, just leave him alone. If you want to do a welfare check, I'm like, hey, buddy, you you okay in there? He goes, yep, just sleeping off a drink last night. I'm like, all right, have a good day, sir. You know, that, that should be the response if you're going to bug him at all. And that's that's just like, you know, a kind thing to do anyway. You know, like if, you know, if, if someone was stalled, pulled over off the side of the highway and you decided to check on them, that's just a nice thing to do. It doesn't even have to be the cops who are doing it just good human behavior. Like when, um, several, a couple of years ago, like my car broke down, um, about, um, uh, on my way to the radio show, I don't know, like more than halfway, but on the way to the radio show. And I had to wait for like the tow truck to get there. And I'm just, you know, casually chilling in my car for three hours, but multiple good Samaritans just saw me like, you know, chucked into a ditch basically. Cause that's, I lost steering. And that's as far as I could get it safely off the road and stopped, you know, but multiple people stopped by and just said, Hey, you okay, man, you need a ride. You need to call like, you know, whatever, hmm. just, hmm. just courteous human beings. And I acknowledge that as well, but that's, you know, that's as far as that should go. But no, the zone, you know, your zone, the zoning issues prevent that one aspect of it amongst other things, right? <clears throat> And the people, the people that want the 15-minute cities, right, they're going to have to overcome all of that, too. You know, forget the camera side of things and the, you know, the, the surveillance state side of things. If you're going to have to walk everywhere, you're going to have to have businesses, like, within walking distance. You're not going to be able to drive to the grocery store. It's, you're going to have to have a grocery store in the neighborhood for people to shop at. And then what, what do you bet that one of the big grocery stores, like petitions the city to have exclusive rights for that little 15-minute neighborhood or all the 15-minute neighborhoods. Every grocery store is a Safeway or Foodland or whatever, whatever you've got near you. No, 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 you can't have competition because that's this is the one with exclusive rights in this 15-minute neighborhood. Hmm. You can see that on the horizon. So Texas borders, we strayed a long way from that. But yeah, who controls the border? Who ought control the border when it comes to immigration and migrants? Uh, well, decentralize down to an individual house. 
that that's the goal. Um, the only reason I'm I'm happy about the situation in Texas is because uh, if Texas breaks off, that means the rest of the states can. So, mm. did you see how much support Texas was getting from other Republican governors? Yeah, like all of them. All of yeah, just about. <clears throat> and I think that's why people are concerned. You know, if if the Republican governors in like you know twenty some odd states are sending troops down to Texas to help Texas protect, now it's to protect the border, right? Then then that's your that's your civil war standoff right there, right? Now twenty six states have troops in Texas ready to defend Texas against whatever the federal government decides to do, under the guise of quote unquote protecting the border. And the easy way would be to send them through New Mexico. Yeah. I mean, I I hear you. Like, if you know, it, presuming the migrants care and presuming they're being funded, sure. Um, but even, you know, if you, if you send them into New Mexico, they're still going to migrate to wherever, you know, the jobs are. I don't know if... True. You know, I think that's the, glo- the global... Well, not the global, but the, you know, the American issue... Um, the nation, the national issue, is they're not they're not coming into Texas and then like staying in Texas, right? They're they're coming through Texas and then going wherever. It's a it's an invasion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to send them through a state that doesn't want them to go through there, though. You could send them to a state that is in control by the politicians in D.C. Yeah. But, but, well, again, then you're just going to have an issue at the, the Texas-New Mexico border instead of the Texas-Mexico border. No, they'll just go somewhere else besides Texas. You think? Yeah, well, mostly. I mean, if that's the case, then, then Texas ought not have a problem if they're just passing through. Well, that it still is a problem because they're uh, going through people's private property. Sometimes there's conflicts, there's trash, there's... Uh, I don't know, all kinds of stuff. Okay. Well, the, the private property issue is, you know, one that I think we're all in agreement on. And if you're going to make it a private property issue, then, yeah, they will, they, will, they will be stopped at that border. Sorry, go around. Or admitted at that border. <laughs> well, <laughs> sure, but if, they're, if, they're, if, it's, if it's a trespass to. and they're trashing it, right? I don't which, well, yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, it could be that the... The government officials are the trespassers. Yeah, but there's it's the feds and trashing, with big walls and fences and trenches and yeah, all kinds of stuff. I'm just saying, if you know, if if the if the example given is that the migrants are uh, not being good stewards of the land as they cross through, then they will not be invited to cross through, right? Like, yeah, come through my property. You know, you, you could be the good libertarian at that point and go like, yeah, you are free to cross through my land, right? But then if you're, you know, if you're then cleaning up empty bottles of tr- water and trash, right, and they're, they're not compensating you for that, then all of a sudden it's like, well, maybe, maybe you're not allowed, right? If I say, like, mm-hmm. come through my house but, like, wipe your feet at the door and you track in mud, that's a, that's a quick way to get disinvited from the house and not invited back. Sure. Uh, and I'm guessing that the reason that they're going across the private property is because the government property is a real threat to them. I mean, when I f- fly into an airport, I don't just 
dump all kinds of garbage from my pockets out onto the floor. I put it in trash bins, and it's uh, it's there and ready and accommodating everybody who's traveling. And that's what the border uh, roads should be. They should be accommodating and and um, easy to facilitate the movement of human beings. But because the government has these barriers on human beings without their documentation, yeah. then they go to these other areas. But you're, you're right. They, they should be respectful. It would be great if they were respectful of the, of the property too. Yeah, and there's, um, a, there's a financial chain at the airport as well, right? They're not, it, you can hang out at the airport for free, but someone's getting paid for the service. Yeah, right. and consider, I mean, when I fly to the other side of the planet or to any, any airport, it maybe cost me a few hundred dollars. And for these guys, as poor as they are, paying thousands of dollars, I mean, their whole, their whole life uh, savings for much, much, much worse conditions because of the status of it. That, that's what's so appalling. If, they, if it was easy, they'd have an, a much more easier, uh, yeah. easier and accommodating time. Right. I mean, I, we, my school greets students off uh, at the airport because they're coming to, to study for you know for four years. Well, great. Why why isn't uh, um, Tyson Foods allowed to go down there and just greet the refugees at the border and say, "We'll hire you here. Sign here's where you you sign on the dotted line." <laughs> yeah. No, I get you, but I you know if it, if it's the private property issue though. You know, yeah, yeah, like sure. I'm, I'll invite them on, or I'll, or I'll allow them to pass through, uh, but there might be a toll at that point to facilitate, you know, the the cleanup and the trash bins and all that other stuff along the way, like you'd find at an airport, right? It's not it's not free sure. passage at that point; it's a service being offered. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and and travelers do pay, um, uh, you know, the, the airport fee. Covers those those kinds of expenses, yeah. Right, so that's the, what the I'm traveler suggesting. Is paying it. Yeah, you're right, and uh, I'm sure they. Um, now, if if uh, suddenly the airport shut down and said uh, no one with the last name of Schoolin is allowed to uh, <laughs> to to fly to a certain airport, uh, then I would say, okay, I'll have to go um, some other way than a government airport. Maybe you have to fly into a a private airfield, and yeah. I would pay for those services, yeah. Yep. Or, you know, hopefully by that time, get your own flying vehicle. There's a, it's it's a quarter of a million dollars, but there's a helicopter coming to market that doesn't meet any of the guidelines for needing a licensure. Hmm. So you can, like, you can, you can fly, you can own and fly this thing um, without having a, without having to get a pilot's license. And hmm. I'm like... You know. That's curious uh, how uh, they conduct, uh, how they regulate the airspace then. Um, I mean, is it, are you very limited in what airspace you can go into? I mean, it's a single, you know, it's a single or a double seater, you know, it's a very small light aircraft. Uh-huh, okay. So yeah. I don't, you know, you're not, you're not going to be taking, you know, uh, helicopters full of passengers anywhere, but if you needed to get somewhere... Uh-huh. Right, and you you were disallowed from traveling by the government for whatever reason, you know. Like no one named Schooling is allowed, right? You you know this thing is already availed to you, um, and I think you know New. I don't know if it's still true, but at one point in the last several years, New Hampshire was like the only state that 
legally allows flying cars. There aren't any, but we it's allowed here. If you could get, you know, the, mm-hmm. pun intended, get it off the ground. <clears throat> In a way, these exist by, I mean, people who take these, uh, um, uh, you know, well, they're kites or something that have motors attached to them that, that uh, fly from high mountains and stuff like that. Yep. Those things have been around for quite a while. Yeah, except you wouldn't have to jump off of a mountain for this stuff. It would just yeah, yeah. You know, and I can't. You know, the the only the only point of reference I have for this stuff is science fiction, right? Mm. So, the the consumer personal aircrafts um, are likely going to be flying lower than the commercial planes that zigzag the skies at any time during the day, right? Like the they'll fly tens of thousands of feet up and your little prop helicopter or your flying car will fly hundreds of feet up right so you're not you know you're not in the path of any of the commercial the big commercial jets and flights mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like you may you know in in the science fiction that i'm thinking of right you'll be you'll be traveling faster cuz you're in the air right but you're traveling along like the same path as the existing roads Right, like make a left between those two buildings, because you're not allowed to go that much higher. And with the airlines, you know, having issues with planes falling apart as it is. <laughs> right, you know, it it makes me nervous as to, you know, what what happens when these things go down. You know, there there's going to be a crash at some point. That's unavoidable, given the nature of things. So, you know, how does what 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 can be done to prevent those types of accidents, um, or is it just compensatory on the other side? And I guess New Hampshire will be the first to find out, since it's the only place it's allowed currently. As soon as someone builds one. Anything else on your mind? Uh, no. No. All right. Um, I have headlines, and I also remember uh, KS, you wanting me to hold off on a headline from last week. And I don't recall what that is, so I didn't prep it. But it was, were... uh, but I remember the topic uh, that the economy is worse than the reports say. But it's it's not a biggie uh, because I mean I, well, I no. I'm glad to go with whatever topics you got. You always got good topics. No, no, I can still find it. I just didn't know which one it was. I just have to scroll because they they just announced yesterday the GDP. Um, Rose um, 3.1%, which is extraordinarily okay. good for, I mean, it, years ago in the 60s and 70s, the economies used to grow more than 4% on average for decades, you know. And now they're excited if they can get up to 2%. Um, that's why the recent data that they're saying it's uh, 3.1%, and inflation they're saying is uh, down around 3%, 3.5%. Um, well, there's your growth it's right a there. Soft landing. <laughs> yeah, the growth in inflation. That, that's that's my general fear, right? And I don't maybe maybe it's uh, irrational on my part. I'm not fearful necessarily. I just when I hear things like that, I just automatically assume that it's being hidden in the inflation, right? Like the Dow Jones has reached another all-time high. Well, yeah, because you're still you're still valuing it in dollars, 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. And as, of course, it's reaching an all time high because the dollar's worth less year over year. Mm. And, it, you know, it could it could reach an all time high and still like have less value than it did year over year. And when, you know, when the real the last real estate run up, you know, that's currently in progress. That was my general fear. I'm like, man, this is this is going to be hard for me. And I would also then presume the general public to like figure out how much you're making on your real estate investment, um, because you could you could lose value and make money, right? You you bought it for three hundred thousand and you sold it for five hundred thousand. Man, that looks like a pretty good gain, unless unless the inflation during that period of time like ate away all the profits and you actually lost money in real terms. And so, you know, so when, when G when GDP goes up 3%, like, of course it did. How could it not? If, you know, if, if P companies are still being productive as best they can, but if, if the value, if the value of the dollar is worth less, you know, and now there's, we made 3% more dollars, right? But you, you can buy like 80% of what you could a week ago, then it doesn't matter that it went up. It's just. It's it's crap. It's hogwash. It's 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 good news. It's bad news hidden in the good news, because no one wants to talk about the bad news. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Am I explaining yeah, yeah. that properly? Sure. So when yeah, so I mean, you just said it right. GDP is up three percent. Inflation is three percent. And well, well, there's your GDP. Like nothing changed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. They just. Now, it matters whether they're. Adjusting for inflation, which they call then real GDP, um, but that's not a real definite figure either. It, they can measure the inflation differently, um, and, and they different do. Things. So they're yeah. So that it's never really a good reflection of it. They they measure it however it makes it look best, right? Like the the bundle of goods that they put in that basket to measure, you know, the the cost of things. Like changes depending on how expensive the things in the basket got year over year. Shit, that stuff's more expensive. We can't use that in our measurement. Let's change the measurement. Ah, yes, this one makes the economy appear like it's going. It's good. Let's use those. And the and the big ones they've always eliminated, right? Food, gas, and housing, and clothing, or whatever. Mm. Right, the basic necessities of life have gotten so expensive, we can't actually use that to measure our inflation. That's what people buy, man. That's the measure, right? They're not going to buy other things if their basic needs aren't met first, right? What disposable income do you have left if you spent your entire paycheck on food? There's no, you know, there's, there's, no, there's no sense in measuring luxury items, at that point, the vast majority of people can't afford it. Mm -hmm. What what will happen when gas prices skyrocket? Well, nobody goes to work because if your if your paycheck is only a certain amount and it costs you more to go to work than you're getting paid because of gas prices, right? wages will be the last thing to rise. It'll crumble under the weight of that first. But you can't. But that's not a measure. You can't measure that, you know, as part of the, the inflation, right? No, no, no. Gas prices have no effect on inflation. Clothing and housing has no effect. Food doesn't affect it. 
It's all the other things that people already can't afford that we're measuring. It's ludicrous. All right. I found your headline. I, I believe this is the one you're asking for, uh, KS. Yeah, but, but don't do it if it's not going to be um, of fascination to uh, our discussion today. You know, I mean, it's... Okay, well, let me read you the other headlines, and we'll see if it's the best good, one I've got good. still. Yeah. All right, this is the one you wanted. Uh, the government is making the economy appear better than it is. Uh, headline, there is no such thing as representative government. There never has been. Uh, headline, the city made a mistake. Why a marquee Oakland violence prevention program broke down. Uh, headline, Michigan Township bans all cemeteries to prevent a family from starting one. Uh, <laughs> headline, California landscapers brace for gas-powered lawn equipment ban. Uh, headline, transcripts detail efforts to secure quiet payoff for corrupt police chief. Uh, this is out of Hawaii. And finally, headline, watch listed. You're probably already on a government extremist list. So do any of those appeal to you more than the one you requested? How about you, MC? Uh, no, anything you want. All right, we'll just do the one KS requested then, because you know I'm accommodating like that. I don't care. <laughs> it's not like anybody's listening. Uh, the <laughs> government is making the economy appear better than it is. Uh, and, uh, you know, I've not even read the article, but I've already kind of shared my opinion on how that fucking happens. Uh, as the 2024 general election gets closer, Democrats and pro-establishment pundits are growing frustrated with the American public for not feeling as good about the economy as the so-called experts say they should. Uh, the elitism of this view aside, it is true that traditional economic indicators are pretty good and that at the same time, people aren't feeling good about the economy. Center-left economists have been locked in a debate whether, uh, over whether people are lying to posters about experiencing hardship in what is actually an excellent economy or are struggling due to the mysterious non-economic factors. Others, like Paul Krugman, have decided to blame Donald Trump and his supporters, framing the widespread economic pessimism as a MAGA ploy to win back the White House a theory Jonathan Newman showed is disproven by the very data Krugman cites. So what's really going on here? Daniel LaCall laid the truth out in his recent appearance on Radio Rothbard. In short, the government is making the economy look a lot better than it is. Those who argue the economy is doing great usually cite economic growth as measured by gross domestic product, GDP, and various measures of the employment rate. And while on the surface, it seems to make sense to use these indicators to get an idea of how the economy is faring overall, there's one big problem. None make any serious distinction between private economic activity and government spending. But there's a big difference between the two. Government, unlike any other entity in the economy, can simply take money and resources from others to spend on things and hire people. Whether or not spending brings people value is irrelevant. It's the private sector that's responsible for producing goods and services that actually meet people's needs and wants. So the private components of the economy have the most significant effect on people's economic well-being. And according to Lacall, the private sector of the U.S. economy is already experiencing a recession. 
However, the high levels of government spending are artificially boosting the GDP of above the technical recession threshold. Similarly, government hires have featured disproportionately in the recent seemingly positive job reports. That's why we're seeing a divergence between the positive economic data in the headlines and the more negative sentiments of the, of the American people. It's not a mystery, and it's not fake news or partisanship. It's the government. Stupid. I'll add that. Uh, but don't expect any politicians, center-left economists, or pro-establishment pundits to admit it. All insist the government can boost economic growth and employment, especially during times of war. Take, for instance, the myth that World War II brought an end to the Great Depression. What happened back then is similar to what we're dealing with now, albeit on a much larger scale. The government spends and hired enough not only to hide the destructiveness of the war, but also to make it appear like a good thing for the economy. That's the same trick at play today. Because the government printed trillions of dollars to hide the economic damage of the COVID lockdowns, a tremendous amount of malinvestment has locked in a, uh, has locked in a major market correction. Now, as the economy begins to falter, the government is again spending and hiring on a massive scale to keep up the illusion of a strong economy. But most Americans can tell something's off, and they're right. End of the article. So, your thoughts on that? Is it just the government? Is the, the private sector waning and being held back? Well, that's excellent point to make there. I, I, I think that uh, does cause me to be... Um, really skeptical of this uh, data that they're, that they're reporting because it is an election year. Of course, it's in their interest to make the incumbent look, uh, you know, successful. And on the other side, there, you know, I forget what what topic it was, but there was an article or some report or something that came out that said, you know, Don Donald Trump is advising his people, you know, to not fix things yet. Right. We need the economy in shambles uh, going into the election, and then we'll, f then we'll Im uh, implement the fixes. We'll deploy the resources in the right direction to solve the economic crisis. But first, we've got to make it look like it's all Biden's fault. Well, I, I hear from time to time people are saying, oh, the economy is doing so well, but why isn't Biden getting the credit for it? I think that's... Um, uh, what you're saying or what your article is saying that the people aren't really fooled by it they're you know they're not crediting joe biden with it because well the government's not responsible for economic growth they're they're responsible for the numbers that they hear but that yeah. they all know it's an election year too and if you if you know if you don't feel it in your household right then it, it, it it's irrelevant what the data says and, you know, there was, I don't think we covered it here, but I think I had a show prep several, a uh, couple of months ago, maybe, you know, fall of last year or whatever. And it said, um, it said that people needed like an extra $5,000 or something a year or $10,000 a year to have the same, uh, to have the same uh, lifestyle as they did a few years ago, right? Like every everyone... Mm -hmm. You know, the average individual has had to cut back because everything is, you know, all, all of those non-basket items, right, food, clothing, housing, gas, have gone up so substantially that it takes, you know, uh, it takes an additional $10,000 or $11,000, I forget what the number is, 
to make up for it. And if you're not if you're not making ten thousand dollars more than you were five years ago, right? Then then you have had to cut back whether you want to or not, unless you're just piling on debt, which is a whole nother issue, right? And you know, and wages being like the last thing to catch up. It's not like people are getting a $10,000 raise year over year to meet it, to match those inflationary pressures. You know, we talked about the housing thing at the beginning of the show. There was a, there was a, I, I guess, I guess things are better in Texas for housing. There was like a San Antonio realtor who was pitching this uh, tiny home community, <coughs> which I've, I've been a fan of generally. Um, but at the same time, like it's, now that now that the mainstream has caught on, I'm not as big of a fan, and I don't know if that's my oppositional defiance disorder or some other anti-authoritarian thing, but he was, you know, some developer in Texas have put up these, like, tiny homes, right? It's like, it's narrow like a trailer park, but two stories high, and you get all of 600 square feet and, a, and one parking stall, you know, one, one, a one-car driveway leading up to your little thing, and it's like... You know, a hundred and twenty thousand dollars for this for this little tiny home, and like that's that's the new starter home for the current generation, present company included, being me. Mm. Right, but you're not allowed to do that in New Hampshire. New Hampshire has some weird law against tiny homes and developments like that. I forget what the the exact restriction is, but like that's you know that's what it's come to. You know, like look, you're not going to be able to afford. You know the the two bedroom, three bedroom house with a yard and a garage, like this is it. You you can get into one of these little guys cheap now, and hopefully maybe later move out of it. But highly unlikely is unless the economy has like a major turnaround. And again, at one point, it's like, well, you know, for moving to New Hampshire, there's a bunch of people who are like, you know, they just want to get here and they don't want you know like. They want to be around people like them. Like, let's just build tiny houses, right? When the youngs come, like, they have a place to stay. They're surrounded by libertarians and liberty-minded activists and other anarchists, mm-hmm. right? Let's just let's just do that as, you know, to attract those movers who can't afford to, like, who don't have a house to sell, right? Like, that's always the thing. Like, oh, yeah, we sold our house in Wisconsin and then bought one in New Hampshire. All of a sudden, we're doing much better. Like, well, you know. Good for you. I'm renting. That doesn't that doesn't help me. I don't I don't have that yet. Still working on it. Uh, but the tiny home thing was like, yeah, let's just be surrounded by other like-minded individuals. But they're doing it in Texas, right? But they're not doing it for that reason. They're doing it because like, like no one can afford a real house. No one can afford like the real house with the land and you know like all those suburbs being built. On those outskirts of the highway across the western states, I, I you know, who's going to move there? It's, it's not, a, it's obviously not affordable housing, right? It's far away from everything in a new suburb development. Only the pe- only the people that already have the money are going to move there. It's not for the people struggling to, you know, the unhoused, the homeless. Like, there's nothing for them. That's right also dovetail that other topic about inflation. Um, inflation is really a redistributive factor. The poor are hurt 
most by inflation. The rich can actually be helped by inflation because if they own a piece of property, the property goes up in value because it's um, a fixed quantity. And as it takes more and more money to buy it, okay, they they get a higher value for it. But the people who don't have property, they're losing the value of their wages and savings and it's harder and harder for them to get into uh, the property market. So it, I think inflation is a tremendous transfer of wealth from low-income people to higher-income people. Yeah. The, 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 the food producers will just raise the price to the level they need it to be, right? Because everyone has to eat. And then, you know, at some point, at some point people are like, well, I just can't afford food. You know, and someone, I don't know what show I was listening to, might not have been a show, might not, might have been a podcast, might have, I don't remember, but it was like the top ramen index, mm-hmm. right? At, at some point, you know, and I did this when I was really broke, right? Like that's, you know, my, my dinner was like a pack of top ramen for over a year. Mm-hmm. Occasionally I would treat myself to like a TV pot pie because that was like 79 cents at the time when I bought it on sale. Mm-hmm. Until, until I, you know, but that, you know, for me, I consider that temporary, right? Like this isn't always going to be, but this is what's necessary now so that I can make it through this shit period of time. Um, but if that, if that gets extended to like the default situation, right, then 30 cents or whatever it is for a pack of top ramen, you know, what happens when that hits a dollar? What happens when it hits $2? You know, what, what's going to happen to all the real food prices when those indexes go up because that's all people can afford. And then, you know, if that's all they can afford, that will put pressure on demand for it, which will raise the price unless Maru Chen and Top Ramen catch up to production, right, and ramp up their production side of things. But then again, why would they? Uh, All of a sudden they've got like a windfall profits um, just because demand increased. And I say this dovetails into the previous topic about migration. Here, the the reason, I think, the one of the biggest reasons that basic food prices are going up is because the government prohibits us from buying them from very low-cost countries, you know, trade barriers. And that is nice for the farmer here who doesn't want the competition. It's devastating for farmers in other countries that then get... Um, impoverished and then are, you know, motivated to move to where they can get a better income. So, I mean, that would be my first way to solve the immigration crisis and the trade barriers. All right. So the people could buy their products where they are. And then all your, the, the best benefit would be the low-income people in this country who would be able to buy low-cost food. Well, to, to play devil's advocate briefly, um, mm-hmm. migrants have to eat too. Right. So if, if they come into your neighborhood. No, and, I would say that they'd less likely to migrate if they were able to earn okay. good income wherever they are in their own country. Like, they don't want to move. They're moving because of desperation. But if they're prosperous, because suddenly the United States allowed Americans to buy sugar from Costa Rica or bananas from uh, Colombia, um, they'd much rather stay where they are if they could get yeah. you know, better income. I, I mean, I would I would generally agree with you, but I would also suggest that uh, a lot of those positive benefits of the open the open trade policy 
uh, mm-hmm. would then benefit their corrupt government too, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, like all all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the trade barriers lifted, and Americans are buying Costa Rican sugar, and the Costa Rican government goes like, "Well, we need to cut of that tax on sugar," right? So all the all the you know all the sugar exporters now have to pay whatever they were making in profits to the state and thus losing out on it because, hey, their government has guns too. Yeah, yeah. And their people are less likely to have guns. Yeah, that, that's a bad side effect of opening up trade, but I, I don't think it would be a reason not to open up trade. No, I didn't say, I didn't say yeah, it would be, right. but, yeah. but if, you know, if, you're the, if you're the migrant worker or you know, the, the local worker in Costa Rica, right, and you're allowed, and you can stay in Costa Rica because the United States has opened up trade, uh, but your government takes away all the money that you would have earned otherwise because of that trade, right? You're, you're still going to migrate because <laughs> mm-hmm. you didn't. You, the 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 action was open, but you did not get your piece of it as you rightfully should have. Sure, sure. And you and you see that with uh, with international aid, right? Mm-hmm. Like the you know wealthy countries send all their money to Africa to help the African people. Like we're going to send food. Here's we're dropping bags of rice, right? And then the the local warlord collects all the rice, and it doesn't get to the people that need it. And then you send money to the African government to help the people, and they buy more weapons on the black market to keep the people oppressed. Like what a waste! What a, what a waste! What a waste of what would otherwise possibly be considered like a good deed, mm-hmm. right? It's just it's just going to bad people, and if the bad people are in control, right, then of, of course they're going to take their cut first. Mm-hmm. We've opened up trade to international sugars, and then you know so like you can import it, right? And all of a sudden the United States puts like a government tax on sugary drinks. Of which those sugars would be used for, like they did in New York. There shall be no size larger than thirty-two ounces. Okay, I'll take two of those then. Hmm. Right, I could have had one cup. Now I got to carry two, jackass. Mm-hmm. So they'll, you know, if even if they allow it, they'll still find a way to get their cut first. Anything else on this uh, government making the economy appear better? No, no, it's good. Before we do another headline, real quick, because we had the primaries here in New Hampshire, and I guess we should have touched on it before we got the headlines. Um, Trump won, obviously. Biden Biden dominated a write-in campaign, ironically. <laughs> Whatever the hell's up with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I guess South Carolina's next. Like any any comment on the victory, any comment on his legal woes? Oh yeah, his legal woes were in the newspapers again today. Uh, I th- I think it's sort of amusing, if not well, well, just curious how it is that you know losing lawsuit after lawsuit, accusation after accusation, um, his support among Republicans just seems to grow. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? It's almost as if that his supporters recognize that it's not a real legal issue and it's an attempt to sway an election. It's and, called lawfare. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's okay, so we've we've talked about this before. It may I don't want to like put words in your mouth, KS. 
Um, but the, the most recent uh, the most recent lawsuit was like defamation. Right. He said some things that weren't true. Um, and I believe you have made claims, at least on this show, uh, that you don't believe that slander and libel laws should exist in a free society. Yeah, I think, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you know, there are words. Sticks and stones can break your bones. But words can never hurt you is uh, something kids learn and grow up with. Um, yeah, I, I think the bigger issue was, uh, did he assault her? This woman that was settled in a in a in a court case. I didn't follow it, so I don't know all the details. Okay. But uh, that was settled. Okay. But then this one was all about uh, defamation, right? Um, and uh, and and then basically she's saying, well, I lost my job as a as a columnist uh, because uh, no one uh, because she said I didn't have any credibility. Well, actually, that was the employer that said that we don't. Um, want you on our uh, on our staff anymore writing and, right and, and I, I can see all the reasons she's explaining it but you're right I, I'd say that there is no justification for um, for these kinds of of uh, lawsuits okay well maybe I'll, I'll try to tie this in because this one hits a little closer to home for me maybe not you guys um, more accusations against f- now former WWE official Vince McMahon Right, S- similar, similar line of of accusation. Right, like I was working for WWE and I was sexually assaulted and abused by Vince McMahon and his crony cohorts. Mm-hmm. Right, and so he voluntarily steps down, or maybe that you know, maybe that's what it shows on the surface. Right, maybe they had a talking to him like you can resign or this is going to look ugly again. Right, but it's not the first time. Uh, but same thing, right? She's she is levying accusations at this man, uh, currently unsubstantiated, right? There's been no no findings of facts, no trial, uh, no criminal trial to that effect, um, but has cost him his job basically. Like he's no longer in a position of power within that organization. So, is that still an employer employee thing, or like do those words have repercussions of which people should be responsible for? If if you can get someone fired on a mere accusation, well, fired. That that actually comes back to another topic that we touched on earlier. When you know, when the comment is made, they stole my job. My thought is, well, it's not a property right of the employee; it's a property right of the employer to pay someone. So it's not somebody's job as, by, as a as an object of possession. So in this case, also. Can't say well. Um, I, um, you know, it, it, it's entirely up to the opinion of the employer to decide for whatever the reasons they want about whether or not they can hire somebody or let somebody go. Of course, the government has interrupted that and says, well, you can't let people go for various reasons, and uh, well, the government is just stealing that yeah. employer's rights to make decisions for themselves with their own money. I guess I'm, I'm I'm trying to weight it against you know against the Trump thing. So like the Trump in Trump's case, the victim uh, is the one claiming that she she lost economic value because of you know because of the situation. And would would people feel the same if Trump had been vindicated in the criminal court, right? And then went after her, 
or would they have said like, you know, you you ought not do that. Just leave her alone. You've already you've already won the criminal victory. Why pursue this further? You know what I mean? Mm. But she's getting Isn't it interesting. You also touched on this, which is an interesting aspect, um, because if you can sue somebody for um, falsely injuring a reputation, then shouldn't you be allowed, since the since the person in society is affected by falsely enhancing somebody's reputation, should you be able to sue for that too? I mean, like suppose that somebody says that uh, Trump is a great business billionaire and um, you know he's uh, such an honest and honorable upright guy and uh, I mean should I be able to sue uh, sue for falsely enhancing somebody's reputation as well <laughs> uh, it follows from the from the idea that you can falsely that you can sue sue somebody for damaging a reputation why shouldn't it follow the other way too well let's tie this into the government then um, what about uh, a government falsely enhancing their own reputation by making campaign promises of which they don't fulfill? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? right. You, you, most people will vote based on the promise, right? And then, and but, and always be let down. And if you know, if if you were promising me something, and I go like, well, I'll I will give you something of mine on the promise that I will get some benefit in the future. And you failed to provide that benefit, right? Like that retroactively would have affected my decision. Like if I had known you weren't going to keep your promise, there's no way I would have given you money or a vote, right? You have defrauded me. Years ago, I was a manager for a campaign of a former student of mine who was going to make a money back guarantee for the promises that he made during the campaign, saying, you contribute to my campaign. These are the promises I I guarantee if I don't fulfill these promises, then I owe you the money back or you can sue me to make sure that you, you get uh, the money back. I was later informed uh, that it was probably illegal for a politician to guarantee their promises because that would be a, like a quid pro quo, which <laughs> I don't know. It, you know. it was really bizarre because um, you, you expect promises uh, for any product you buy, you buy a car, you expect uh, to be able to sue for false advertising, misrepresentation, yep. and fraud. But you can't do that with politicians. <laughs> yeah, they're they're protecting themselves because they know they're not going to fulfill their promise. Right. 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 Final thoughts. Uh, nope. All right, let's wrap it up there. Then you guys know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com on telegram t.me slash anarchist experience or t.me slash the anarchist experience and if you would like to contribute to this show financially you can do so through patreon patreon.com slash the anarchist experience thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you all next week peace aloha